guys and welcome back to another episode of Tudor Talk Time. Woo! Today it is just Katie and I. I know. Me and I made Katie. Phoebe do the introduction so no one would freak out when they just heard my voice. <laughs> <laughs> that woman, can you imagine? KTSD. This week I'm very excited because we are doing Margaret Tudor, um, who is honestly one of my favourite, like my favourite Tudor women. Like I think she's really overlooked and I'm so excited Absolutely. to be doing her. Um, so should we get into Maggie T? Yes, Maggie T. <laughs> From the moment of her births, a lot of people just believed that she was fated to be um, Queen of Scots because yeah. she was born on the 29th of November 1489 and was christened the next day, which also is St Andrew's Day. Um, and St Andrew is the only Scottish royal saint. Yeah. So along with being you know the Scottish Saints Day, it's the only royal one as well. So people just foreshadowing. Yeah, people just kind of believe like, oh, she's gonna be part of Scottish royalty, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and then by the time she was six, you know, the idea of the marriage had already been had already been floated. They were putting out feelers, you know, they were like, How do we feel about this? Should we maybe just say, just in case anybody doesn't know who Margaret Tudor is? Oh yes. <laughs> no, no, just jumping into it. She is yeah. the daughter of Henry the Seventh and Elizabeth of York. And yeah, their the second child. Yeah. So it goes Arthur, Margaret, Henry, and I think a lot of people think Henry was the first child. Oh, a lot of people think that it's like Arthur, Henry, then the two irrelevant girls. But no, she is older than Henry. She is his big sister. Um, and she is the eldest of the two surviving daughters of Henry and Elizabeth. They did have quite a few other kids that didn't make it past. Yeah, infancy. but also four is quite an impressive number to make it past, to make it to full like adulthood yeah. and like live out their lives. It's oh wait, a, no, three. <laughs> Sorry. A, well, you know. <laughs> I forgot all the time. He got pretty close. Let's, yeah, bless, let's bless his cotton socks. man while he's down. <laughs> <laughs> quite literally six quite foot good. down. <laughs> Yeah, they are all six foot down, but that was quite a good pun. High five. Okay. (laughs) I'm so so worried for our form. I know. But also, a fun thing, that this is just quite fun to me, that she was actually christened in St. Margaret's Church. Oh, I love that. So there's a lot of... I love love that for her. St. Maggie's Church. St. Maggie's Church. It's like she was fated to be. Um, Do you have anything else you want to fit in on the the childhood? Well, she would have had tutors in Latin Mm. and French, similarly to if we ever talk about Mary Tudor. They had raised an upbringing. She also also played lots of instruments, did dance, embroidery, Mm. and it was actually noted that she was particularly good at archery. So, oh, I love it! She is a girl boss. A bit of a girl boss, a bit athletic. Mm-hmm, I love that for her. Um, and then I'll just start you off by saying on the 5th of May, 1496, discussions began around the possibility of a marriage of Margaret to James IV. And then on the 24th of January, 1502, the Treaty of Perpetual Peace was signed, which was a treaty between England and Scotland and included a marriage alliance between James IV of Scotland and um, Margaret Tudor. Now, the Scots were all really happy for this because mm-hmm. they were jumping up and down. They were like, we need a queen. Not because they were feminists, because James already had like, I, forgot, I think it was six illegitimate children yeah. at this point. And they were like, come on, babe. Like, we need a legitimate one. We do. Um, so they were 
all very happy for this um, this treaty, and I, you know, she was probably quite excited. Well, Scotland's not too far from home. <laughs> no, well, the thing is, is that just in the timeline of things, mm. it is important to note that her older brother Arthur dies on the fifth of April, fifteen yes. oh two. Yes. And so then it's a bit like for poor Margaret, it's like, oh, sorry, your brother's died. Off you go. Yeah, off your pop, lovely. Which um, also can't have been easy for the parents, you yeah. know? Like, losing two children. Like, admittedly, Maggie is still alive, but, like, she's off in another country and well. you're probably not going to see her again. And, um, yeah. On the 15th of January, 1503, Margaret was married in a proxy marriage. I'm sure we've had someone who's married by a proxy before, but just in case we haven't, it's basically where... Like, you basically send, like, a little, like, like a delegate in their place to, like, exchange yeah. the words. Um, in some cases, instead of consummating the marriage, it's like we just touch toes or touch fingers. They touch pinkies. They They're touch like, pinkies. <laughs> and there we go. Consummation completed. Um, yeah. So then she went up to Scotland that summer and the, like, official marriage and all that jazz took place on the 8th of August, 1503, yeah. at Holyrood Abbey in Edinburgh. But she was not even 14. Yeah, she was incredibly young, and he was... 13. Yeah, significantly her elder. Um, But, and I think this would probably have been a bit, quite a weird thing for her at first, but eventually, like, despite this age gap, they did have a happy marriage... Yeah. By most accounts, like, as in it wasn't, like, some kind of, I think, eventually she didn't feel like she was being creeped on. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't a weird thing for the time, you know? Yeah, it wasn't regarded as that strange. Like, right now we're like, <sighs> but it wouldn't have been like that. No. Okay, so, anything else you want to say? Well... Just that Margaret and James would only have one child that would survive infancy, um, and that is James V. Later be James V. Oh, not much later be James <laughs> Not much later, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, on that happy note, um, he would be the next king, and he was born in April 1512, um, and was definitely a blessing because this was after they had lost three children already mm-hmm. in infancy at this point. Um, so having this child that survived past infancy was really good. Um, and then two years later, their next child, Alexander, Earl of Ross, was born and seemed to be doing pretty well. And then... But alas. He does. As, like, 75% of Tudor children do. Um, and then we do have James the Fourth. When we, um, in our Catherine of Aragon episode, we spoke about the Battle of Broom Field in September Obviously, 1513. as Borat once said, great success um, for the English. Yep, except... <laughs> However, um, if it's a great success for someone... It was not James the Fourth. He did kick the bucket. Um, um, yeah, it, I mean, the Battle of Flodden is considered one of the worst Scottish defeats in, in Scottish history. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that really broke my heart when, like, researching this is that James was quite a pacifist. Like, he didn't really want to, like, he, it was very, re- like, a reluctant heart, yeah. by most accounts, that he went down and was like, 
final fight. Like, yeah. I've got to. Like, I can't just send my soldiers down, but I would rather we could work this out peacefully. But alas. So then Margaret was named as regent for her 17th month old son. Okay, wait, I think, we should, okay, I think we should just, like, rewind to the... Oh, we did say he kicked the bucket, didn't yeah. we? Yeah, so he dies. Um, and, yeah, just to set the scene, she's 24 years old, a widow, a mother of two, pregnant. Um, well, I think the most interesting thing about her regency is that she was named regent in his will. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting because the Scottish nobles weren't too keen on it. No, definitely not. And I think it says quite a lot about um, Margaret and James's relationship. Yeah. That he, he definitely had respect for her. her. Yeah. And like held her in high regard. And I think that's really interesting, especially when you consider the age gap. Mm. And I think that's where, you know, it's clear that this was like a happy, not happy, but it was a pretty was happy a marriage. respect. Yeah, Apart they have mistresses and everything. Yeah, da 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 da. You know, um, yeah. Um, by James's in James's will, he said that Margaret was to be the regent of their son James, unless she um, forfeited this like duty by remarrying. So until she remarried, she was the sole regent, the sole person who could be in charge. Where everyone else wanted the Duke of um, Albany, who had been. Um, her husband, James the fourth uncle, they wanted him back. Yeah. But um, then Margaret does something a little bit peculiar, and historians and contemporaries alike, none of us really understand why, why she, she did, did it. This. But what all, the only thing we do understand, it it is later mirrored by her darling granddaughter yeah, Mary this, Queen so of Scots we're gonna this, yeah we're gonna start yeah. seeing some like Queen of Scots question mark like there yeah. is definitely like overlap and that's one of the things I find fascinating about her like mm, it's weird and because then I was in her genes I know like I always find it more fascinating about Mary like how did you like not like compute how did you not do like one plus one is two or should we say what she did she okay, yeah, sorry. secretly married Archibald Douglas, the sixth Earl of Angus, who his own uncle described oh, him yeah. as a young, witless fool. So Margaret is no longer regent. She just forfeited that position and power. And like, and understandably... Hmm. They're not happy. The Scottish nobles aren't happy. But I think the other important thing to note is that during her short time as regent, she had actually managed to pull together Scotland's main fighting factions and if you know anything about Scottish history they it's full of like faction fighting like yeah. they're constantly at each other's throats getting fact Scottish factions to agree very hard but naturally she does she does what any normal person would do and uh, throws it all down the drain yeah so that's really exciting for her. so yeah she secretly marries the sixth Earl of Angus and Henry VIII so her younger brother, now on the throne, was fuming. He was like, why would you do this, Margaret? We just had a full Tudor control over England and Scotland, you fool. And she was like, why would you kill my husband? A little bit. So, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. So he actually tries, and he does fail, to take custody of her two sons, James and Alexander, who's still alive at this point. But this backfires, and instead Margaret was forced to give up custody of her sons. No, yeah. she ends up fleeing to England, where on the 7th of October, 1515, she gives birth to her daughter, Margaret Douglas. 
Who? She's Let's talk about Margaret Douglas for a I sec. Think she deserves a whole we'll, episode. We'll do, we will do a whole episode on her, but I just kind of wanted to talk about... I wanted to talk about the importance of Margaret Douglas for a second, because obviously we know that she... Um, Margaret Tudor is going to be the, the grandmother of Mary, Queen of Scots, but she is also the grandmother of Mary, Queen of... The um, only husband that Lord Mary, Queen Darnley. of Scots had a child with, Lord Darnley. Other thing I think is interesting, skipping ahead a little bit, is Lord Darnley's name was Henry Stuart. Yes. And Mary's third husband, spoiler alert, it's not a happy marriage with old Archibald. Um, Mary's third husband was called Henry Stuart. And I just think that's so interesting, like how much like their lives mirror each other. But anyway, so um, Margaret, du- Margaret Douglas would become the mother of Lord Darnley. And so Mary, uh, Margaret Tudor is actually, when you think about it, uh, the great-grandmother of James I of England and Scotland. Mo- maternal and Sick. paternal side. Exactly, she's t- double. Double double timing. Double trouble, babe. <laughs> anyway. But when, so after the birth of Margaret Douglas, Douglas, Margaret Tudor returns to Scotland and heartbreakingly, she goes back and finds her husband living with his mistress, spending all her money, fathering children with his mistress. It was just awful for her, and she was in a really bad situation. And so she is like, bruh, she wants what to return you doing? to England again. And Henry VIII is like, no, you just got back. You're not coming back to England. You yeah, Henry's like, sort your life out. you're not my problem. Henry's like, not my monkey's not my problem. Not my monkey's not my problem. Not my monkey's not my problem. <laughs> um... And so she's basically like, okay, damn. I want to end this marriage. What do I do? Um, luckily for her, on the 11th of March, 1527, the Pope grants her an annulment. And this is a good bit of luck right here. Um, but then again, again, we're not really sure why Margaret does what she does next. She, rapido, 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 marries, marries Henry Stewart. Secretly. She loves a secret marriage. Honestly, secret shout out to Mags, because if there's one thing Maggie's going to do, it's a secret marriage. Yes. But now, by this point, her son, James, is getting a bit older. And this is it's good and bad for Margaret. Good, well, bad because he's a teenager, and teenagers don't really like to listen to their parents all that much. So she kind and of don't need to know power. about their parents' love life. Exactly. But then it also means that James is able to wriggle out from the control of his great-uncle. Um, so this is really good but what Margaret is hoping is she's hoping she can kind of push James into marrying her niece Mary so Mary the first bloody Mary if you will but James is like no I want to marry a French woman so he first tries marrying this French lady called Madeline but she dies sickly sickly woman God, the bloody French, am I right? The French, am I right? Sorry. But then we do have the 1538 marriage of James to Marie de Guise. Yeah. I don't think Margaret's thrilled, but you know, she's like, oh, well, I'm glad he did get married, but. Yeah, and she, you know, she didn't really seem to have anything against Marie de Guise. 
but then you know she's oh, focusing on her own love life and as she does bro why does she keep so before um, we fully move on to um james's you know i feel like we're stepping into james's kingship soon i just wanted to mention that margaret really really went through it and it's another example of her life being mirrored later by mary queen of scots the more famous of the yeah. pair like we see this with mary queen of scots and her child and we see this with my, and her child james her child got, oh my god bruh oh my god <laughs> And we see this with Margaret and her baby James. Well, not baby. So, so in 1524, Margaret mounted a coup d'etat, which saw um, the Duke of Albany deposed as regent, running back to where he came from, France. Mm -hmm. And du the Duke of Albany had been regent because, you know, as we said earlier, she forfeited the marriage. I don't know if we spe like specifically said that he was the one who then stepped in, yeah. but she forfeited the regency through her marriage. Now she takes 12-year-old James V to Stirling, um, from Stirling to Edinburgh to basically take up his personal rule um, under the continuing guidance of her. So it's less like a regency and more like he's ruling. But she's there. But she's the one pulling the strings. Yeah. Still. He's not quite smart enough and that's how he can learn. Um... And, you know, this seems to be fine and dandy. Everyone's happy, except the Earl of Angus, a.k.a. the thorn in everybody's side. We hate him. Yeah, this is a Earl of Angus. Not This is a sixth Earl of Angus hate page. I'm sure the other Earls of Angus were lovely. <laughs> <laughs> we maybe, we might love the fifth Earl of Angus, but the sixth one? Mm -mm. Yeah, like, I'd like to give him a chance. I'm sure they're a doll. I'm sure he was an angel. Uh, no, not an angel. He's a Scottish noble. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway, but then November 1524, which let's like, you know, deep that it's barely been, it's been like a few months max. Um, yeah, Earl of Angus arrives in Edinburgh with a large group of armed men, basically trying to claim custody of James because... They were still married on the grounds that they were still married to each other and that um, he just felt like he deserved it. He has this thing that a lot of men have, actually, um, called audacity. Mm -hmm. Believe they owed things. Yeah, and it's just, you know, the thing with audacity is that you just, you don't know where it came from. And you don't, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one, honestly. Um, but that's... <laughs> he doesn't even end up succeeding. He doesn't end up... Spoiler alert, he doesn't end up succeeding because Margaret ordered the cannons at Edinburgh Castle and Holyrood House to open fire on him. And so, obviously, he has a retreat. He's like, oh, I'll put my hands up, babe, you know. Stepping back. Um, oh, but then... He, you know, you would assume that he kind of gets, like, shunned from Scottish society. Everyone would be like, boo, tomato, tomato. Um, I need to stop doing things like that. Okay. I'm spoiling Everyone, you assume that everyone would just shun him. But, alas, he regains his foothold in Scottish society very quickly. Mm -hmm. And then used it to basically kidnap James V from Margaret. 
and keep him as a virtual prisoner for three years in order to have control over Scotland. Like, this is a nasty, nasty man. And I think that's the main reason the Pope is like, Jesus! Yeah, but you can have that anonymous, actually. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. They were like, oh, the Pope was like, oh my days, like, you get that annulment, girlie. <laughs> just how horrendous her first marriage is. We her second marriage. Second. <laughs> the first one was fun. The first one was so lovely. We can now well. skip ahead to the third one and appreciate how bad that one was. So Henry Stewart, still not a good guy. He had a kid with a mistress and was spending her money so much that she entered crippling debt. So she quite understandably was like, I'd quite like to get this one annulled, but it was a big no-no from the Pope. Um, she tried to flee to England, but was intercepted and was like, no, you belong in Scotland. So she was trapped again. And mm. this is really where we enter the end of Margaret's life, which is not ideal. She's yeah. believed to have had a stroke, likely from all of the stress that she was under. <laughs> Hella stress. Hella stress. And the really sad thing is she requested her son James to come and visit her while she was dying, mm. but he was too late. Um, he did come, but he not in time to say goodbye. Yeah, I mean, there was lots of people, you know, getting in the way yeah. there. But, um, and so Margaret did pass away. And and let's, yeah, I think this is, a, will be, this is a nice time to talk about, like, her legacy. Yeah. You know, that mm-hmm. did finally see Margaret. Um, we spoke about her being the great-grandmother of James VI on both maternal and paternal sides. But mm. also, her other son, Charles, um, married... The oh, daughter. we didn't say that she, she had a child. She did she have had another a... child called Charles. Um, after Mags. After, after... After Maggie Jr. And this Charles married the daughter of Bess of Hardwick. So oh my god, it's full circle. It's a real full circle, circle moment for us here. Oh, yeah, and then there's one last thing that I kind of wanted to mention. Like, the pa- I feel like the parallels, you know, he going through, you know, her... I feel like you see we see parallels through her and Mary Queen of Scots. And when we think about Mary Queen of Scots' son, James, famously the king to unite both England and Scotland, which when you think about it is kind of what her marriage treaty yeah. was meant to do. And I think that you just see a lot of, like... She did do it. Yeah. A lot of the things that she achieved, I think you see reflected in that. And I think... Yeah, I think she's just really underrated because she wasn't really born to rule. She was born to, like, rule by someone's side. Exactly. But she did good. Not independently. And she she did a pretty good job. Um, I think she's great. I really love her. I think she's underrated. And I'm she's, so glad we got to do her. I feel like she's the forgotten one. She's often referred to as the forgotten matriarch. Yes, yes. And I really think that's mm. what she is. And I think also out of Hen out of um Henry and Elizabeth's kids, she's the forgotten one as well. I think Mary gets forgotten because of her short marriage to France. No, I think Mary gets remembered yeah. because of her short marriage to France and then her marriage to her brother's best friend. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's but obviously and Lady Jane Grey. no spoilers. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Bit more Margaret Lark, Christine. Yeah, honestly, I think she might be my favorite of the people we've done yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we will. Uh, we hope you enjoy this episode. Yes, 
give us a rating, preferably five stars. Um, review on at Tudor Talk Time on all socials. I mean, don't follow us on Twitter because it's not worth it. No, do follow us on Twitter if you want to see Lara retweet things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We retweet stuff on Twitter. Um, and then yeah, our Instagram is good. Our TikTok we've started up again. Well, not started up again. Actually, though, yeah. We've been quiet, but follow us on TikTok and Instagram and let us know if you enjoyed this. Leave a review or DM us. We'd love to hear from you and we'll see you next time on Tudor Talk Time.